Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. I have the honor today to start our Easter season with our brand new series called The Greatest Story Ever Told. And for the next four weeks, we are gonna be telling you that story, the story that unfolds in the Bible as we read throughout the Bible. We're gonna see these different things that, and, and as we go, we're gonna see things that didn't just happen in the Bible. They, they didn't just happen once, but they're things that continue to happen in our lives today. And so if I told you when you walked in here today that we're starting an Easter series, and I said, what do you think we're gonna talk about? You'd probably say Jesus, right? That's a pretty safe church answer. But we're actually gonna start before that. We're gonna go back to the beginning of the story. So if you pull out those sermon notes you got when you walked in today in your worship guides, uh, because at Radiant Church, we are believers in taking notes because you're four times more likely to remember something if you write it down. So pull those notes out at the top. You'll see week one, we're gonna talk about creation. We're gonna talk about creation. And, and listen, we could go a lot of different ways when it comes to talking about creation. We, we could kind of examine the six days of creation and what God created and how he did it, how, how he did that, but we're not gonna do that because we're gonna focus towards the end of the creation story where God creates his greatest creation, which is man, obviously, and, uh, and then we're gonna talk about how he created woman, and, and as we look at the story of Adam and Eve, we're gonna see a lot of, the, of things that happened with them are, are still true for us today, and we're gonna jump right into it because right after Adam is created, we find something very interesting that God does. It's something that he did with Adam, it's something he continues to do with us because I want you to understand, number one in your notes is that we are created for a cause. We're created for a cause. If you have your Bibles with you today, you can open up right to the beginning of it, to, uh, to Genesis chapter two. And so we see this story of, of Adam being formed out of the dirt, but right after he is formed, God does something unique with him. Look what he does. In Genesis two, verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. Say work it. And take care of it. Some of y'all said work it. Okay, all right. I see who we got here at this 11 o'clock service, okay. So from the very beginning, God has created people to work. God has created man to do something beneficial. And, and we see the, the, the story of Adam being created in, in Genesis chapter two, and he's created, and then God begins to, to show Adam this creation. He said, he, he said, look at this garden that I've made, it has fruit that is pleasing to the eye, food that is good. Look at these rivers that kind of run and help feed it. And now you're gonna go work it. You're gonna go take care of it. God has, has done the same thing in our lives too. Adam was created at that time to do something very specific. And he was placed in a very specific place to do that thing he was created to do. I believe that God is doing the same thing in our lives today that you are placed exactly where you are because God has something for you to do. God has something for you to, to work. God has something for you to take care of. And I believe that because we've taught it in Next Steps for a long time. If you haven't gone to Next Steps, man, there's no better time to start than today. Right after this service upstairs, we'd love to have you join us. But we teach this in Next Steps every time is that you'll see it in your notes that you're created on purpose for a purpose that God has given you something to do. And I feel like a lot of us are trying to figure out what that is for our lives. What's the purpose that God has made me? Maybe you haven't figured it out yet, what God has made you to do. You're still trying to answer that age-old question of what do I wanna be when I grow up, right? And I know for me, it took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to do. I, it took me a while to figure out what was the purpose of my life. And and if you, if you know anything about me, you know I was in the Air Force for 15 years, and um, I, I, really, I, I loved my time in the military, and I got to learn so much, and I got to experience a lot of different things, and I'm so thankful for my, my 15 years in the military, and if there's one thing that the Air Force did, 
is it showed me everything that I was not made to do. Um, because when I first joined the Air Force, I, I was an aircraft mechanic. I was a crew chief on B-52s. And uh, the thing about that is I was a recruiter for several years, and I know exactly what happened to me. I got kind of suckered into this job. Um, military people in the room, you know what I'm talking about. So, but I remember showing up to, to training for this job, and they started talking about these tools. And here's the thing, I grew up, I never grew up working on things. Like, I never grew up using tools and fixing cars and doing work around the house and stuff like that. Um, I, I never did that, so I got to this training, and they started talking about these different kinds of tools, and I felt like how Pastor Aaron must feel when people use sports references around him <laughs> because I had no idea what they were talking about. I was like, e I, what is that? What's a torque wrench? You're gonna have to show me physically because I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I, I real and then there was the whole thing that not just not growing up working on things, I don't like getting dirty. I don't, is there anybody else like, I just hate getting dirty. I would leave that job every day covered in grease and hydraulic fluid and jet fuel. Let's just say it wasn't for me. It wasn't the purpose that I was created for. But it wasn't the worst job that I had in the Air Force. Because for a year of my life, I worked in a section on base here at McDill called DDR, or Drug Demand Reduction. If you're military in the room, you already know where this is going. Because my job for a year was I would show up to work and I'd push the button on a computer, it spit out a list of names. I would then go email those people on that list and they would come to my office to, for lack of better terms, pee in a cup. Uh, because I ran the drug testing lab on base. And so my job for a year, and I don't have a, a, a count for you, but I can tell you it's somewhere in the thousands of bottles of urine I held in one year. Um, <laughs> And I can also tell you, the, the thin latex gloves they give you to do that job do not protect you from it. Listen, we could get real graphic real fast talking about this job, but let me just tell you, it was not what I was created to do. But the truth is that we're all made to do something, and I believe that the Bible is very clear that God has made us on purpose, for purpose, to do something. And we actually see this in Ephesians chapter two. It says that for we are God's handiwork. And some of the versions of the Bible says that we are God's masterpiece. That means that God has taken the time to make us exactly the way that we are, but for what? It says that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Listen, you have been created on purpose for a purpose. Just as God created man with a task to do and placed him in a place to do it, man, God has done the same thing in your life. So how do you do it? How do you figure out what that purpose is? You see, for me, I, I saw a quote from T.D. Jake several years ago, and it helped change my perspective of understanding what is the purpose that God has for my life? How, how, how do I figure out what it is I'm supposed to do? And look at the quote on the screen here from T.D. Jakes. It says, if you can't figure out your purpose, figure out your passion. For your passion will lead you right into your purpose. Like, man, the whole time I was in the military, there was days where it was rough getting out of bed and going to a job that, that I knew I didn't wanna do, I knew I wasn't created to do, but you know, the whole time I was in the military, I did something that I knew that I was meant to do. I was passionate about something because the whole time I was in the military, everywhere I went, I got connected to a church. I was a youth intern for several years in Michigan and then serving here. I, I served here at Radiant for a couple of years before I ever came on staff, before I ever was named a pastor. Man, I, you couldn't, I was full-time in the military, had a wife and kids going to school, but you couldn't keep me from serving at the church because I found the thing that I was passionate about. But the thing that I'm passionate about is probably a lot different than the thing that you're passionate about. The thing that I'm doing right now, standing on the stage with a microphone in my hand, probably scares a lot of you if you thought about if that was your passion that God had given you. But man, I'm thankful for the passions that, and the purpose that God has placed in your life. 
I'm, listen, I'm thankful for people who are good at, at good mechanics, who are good with their hands, who, who, who have been given the purpose and the passion to fix airplanes, because I love to fly. I love to go on mission trips and stuff like that. And I can do that with confidence, knowing that God has given people that ability. God has given people that purpose to do that thing. Man, I'm so thankful for people who have the gift of, of being in the healthcare industry and taking care of people who are sick. That takes a special person. That takes a special passion from God. That is a purpose that God has placed in your life. I'm, I'm thankful for people who are, who are very good at administrative type things, who like to focus in on details, because people like me, I like to talk a lot. I don't like to sit down and focus on details. But man, thank God that God has given people that passion and that purpose of doing administrative things. Listen, I don't know what it is for you, but I want you to understand that God has made you on purpose for a purpose, that he's placed passions inside of you. He has something for you to do. He has something for you to work on. He has something for you to take care of, and he's placed you right where you are to do that very thing. So you need to understand that you are created on purpose for a purpose. But the thing that we also see when it, when it comes to the story too that I thought about as I was reading the story of Adam and working in the garden, and you'll see it in your notes, is that you're call, we're called to be a contributor, not a consumer. Yeah, because if you think about it, Adam got a little bit of a raw deal here in creation, didn't he? It's like he's formed out of the ground and God gives him life and then eight verses later he says, now go to work. Like, I remember reading this thinking like, man, wouldn't it have been nice if God gave Adam like a little bit of like a transition period to kind of like get his bearings of like, okay, I just, I was dirt and now I'm working. Like, I, th I figure like, wouldn't it have been nice if God gave him a little bit of time to just like enjoy creation and just like frolic around the garden and eat the fruit and just enjoy being in the presence of God? But did God do that? No, he, he created him with something to do. He called him, he created him to be a contributor, not just to consume his, the, the creation that he had made. But how many of us, I feel like so many of us sometimes will say this in our lives. I've been guilty of it in my past as well. I'm saying things like, I, you know, I feel like God has just called me to a season of rest. Um, I'm just, I'm really enjoying just not doing anything right now. But how many of you know that, I believe that the Bible is very clear that we are meant to take rest, but I don't, I don't believe that God means for us to take long periods of rest. Because I believe that God has made us to do something, that God has something for us to do. And if we're taking these seasons of rest, we're, we're living outside of the way that God has created us. God has created you to be a contributor, not a consumer. He's created you for a cause. He's created you on purpose for a purpose. But as the story goes, after Adam is placed in the garden to work it, we, all, we, we see an awesome interaction between Adam and God, and, and we, we find out something that God created Adam with, but I also believe he created us with it. And you'll see number two in your notes is that we are created with creativity. We're created with creativity. One of the best examples I can give you of this is right after Adam begins working in the garden, God comes to him in verse 19, and he says this. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock and all the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. I don't know about you, but I've always wondered what that scene looked like. Like God's like, God's like, hey, Adam, put down the shovel. I know I just told you to work the garden, but I got another job for you to do because there's all these animals walking around and they don't have names. So what I'm gonna have you do is I'm gonna bring them in front of you and whatever you call them, that's gonna be their name for all of history, Okay. Adam's like, all right. And so God's like, you know what, though? For the first one, let's start off easy. All right, let's start off with something simple. So he, he must have brought something like this in front of Adam just to, just to get his bearings, you know, what he was doing. So he brings something like this, and Adam looks at it, and he goes, ant. 
God's like, all right, we're rolling now. That's a good one. That's what I would have called it, right? And so Adam, I feel like God must have been so impressed with the ant that he's like, you know what? Step it up a notch. I got something else for you. What do you think about this one? So he brought something like this. Adam looks at it and he goes, lion. And God's like, whoo, boy, it's a strong name. Lion is such a great name for that. You, you know what, Adam, you are doing such a good job. Let's step it up a notch. I don't know what I would call this one. What, what, what would you call this one, Adam? Adam looks at it for a minute. And he says, well, uh, hip, 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 hippopotamus. And I just picture God in the corner like, what did I do? Why did I give him this job? But here's the thing is that I believe that God had the confidence in Adam to be able to name the animals because God created us with the ability to be creative. And, and the God has, has made us all, he could have made us all to think the exact same way. He could have given us all the kind of same baseline of knowledge and we could have all kind of thought in the, in the same way. And that would be kind of nice, wouldn't it? But, but God didn't make us to do that because you'll see in your notes there that humans are created to think outside the box. We're created to think outside the box that, that God wanted us to be able to have creative ideas and that we wanted to, he wanted us to be able to do things that are different than other people. And it's the people who thought outside the box like this that has given us some of our greatest creations that we've ever been given. Like Sam Porcello was an outside the box thinker. Now you may not know the name Sam Porcello, but I promise you, you know his creation. Because in 1912, Sam Porcello worked for a company called the National Biscuit Company, and in 1912, they had an idea for this, this chocolate cream cookie that they wanted to create, and they gave Sam Porcello the task of coming up with the recipe for the delicious cream filling for this chocolate and cream cookie. And so Sam Porcello, this man of God, and I can't prove that, but I, based on his creation, he must have been favored by the Lord. <laughs> Sam Porcello in 1912 came up with the recipe for the cream filling for the Oreo cookie. His name is Mr. Oreo throughout history. You listen, it's, it's the creativity, it's the outside the box thinking of Sam Porcello that has given us the Oreo cookie. Praise God, right? <laughs> but here's the thing, is that people continue to think outside the box. They weren't limited by what had been created in 1912. And after the Oreo had been around for a while, somebody somewhere said, hey, you know what would make the Oreo cookie better? More of that cream filling, right? And so in 1974, we were introduced to the double stuff Oreo. It's outside the box thinkers who decided, man, we need to put more cream in the Oreo cookie. So in 1974, we're given the double stuff Oreo. But it didn't stop there. Because people continue to think outside the box. They weren't limited by what had already been created because in 2013, somebody somewhere was like, hey, you know what the Oreo could use more of? More of that cream filling. And so in 2013, we were introduced to the mega stuff Oreo. And the Lord blessed his people again. It's manna from heaven. But it didn't stop there because people continue to think outside the box. They wanted to improve on what has already been created. So in 2019, somebody somewhere said, hey, I really would, you know, I think the Oreo could use more cream filling. And Nabisco said, say no more, fam. Uh, because in 2019, we were introduced to the most stuff Oreo, eight times the original filling of the original one. It's disgusting, but it's besides the point of the message here. It took outside the box thinking, to make that happen, and just so I know who I have in the room with me today, how many people are original Oreo, the single stuff kind of Oreo, okay. Uh, and then how many people in the room are double stuff or more? 
keep your hands up because these are the people of the Lord right here. Those are the people who are getting an extra large mansion when you arrive in heaven. I just want you to know that the Lord loves you. May he bless you and keep you. Um, but God has created us to think outside the box that, that, that we're not limited to what has already been created, but God has given us the ability to be creative and think outside the box. And I remember as I began to study this, this sermon and as I, as I even wrote this point in the sermon, I remember saying to myself that, yes, we're created with creativity, but I'm not creative. I, like, my wife is incredibly creative. She's very good at art and music. Pastor David is so creative. They wrote that incredible song that we sang here today. Like, he's creative. Okay, you can give it up for Pastor David for just a second. All right. Honor, honor, zoo. Okay, all right. I had to make them do that, David, but that's okay. Um, but they're, they're creative. And I began to tell myself that, like, these people are so creative, but I'm not creative, and, and I, was, I was thinking about, like, I'm preaching about the fact that God has created us with creativity, but yet I'm sitting here telling myself that I'm not creative, and I wonder how many other people are saying the same thing to themselves, that, that we get in our own way of using the gift that God has given us to be creative. Actually, look at the way Pablo Picasso said it. He said, the chief enemy of creativity is good sense. That, that, listen, we wanna try to think outside the box, but because it's outside the box, it's not an accepted way of doing something, we choose not to do it because we're afraid of what other people are gonna think of us by, by doing that. We may have a way better way to do something, we may have something that is incredible that could change the world forever, but because nobody else is doing it, we choose not to do it, and we, we lose the ability that God has given us to be creative. God has given you a gift to think outside the box, but yet we hold ourselves back from doing that thing, and if you ever doubt the fact that we're created with creativity, hang around some kids for a little while. Because here's the thing that kids have going for them. They don't care what you think. Like, I remember when my kids were little and they would color, like, just scribbles on a piece of paper, and they'd come up and say, Dad, Dad look, I made a rocket. And then as a good dad, you're like, oh, that's the best rocket ever. We're gonna hang that on the fridge. Like, they didn't care if it looked like a rocket or not. They just were using that creative thing that God had given them. My, my nine-year-old, both of my kids are, are homeschooled right now. My nine-year-old daughter the other day, when I left for work, I gave her the, the task of writing me a short story. I said, I want it to be a couple of pages. You can write about anything you want. I come home at the end of the day, and she's written, she's written a, a four-page story about a haunted ice cream shop. I don't know how she came up with it. She honestly didn't care what I thought. But I sat down and read it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so Creative. We are, we are made innately with this ability to be creative, yet some, sometimes I feel like we hold ourselves back from using the gift that God has given us. And, and I can say with all confidence that we're made with creativity because we're made in the image of God, and I believe you'll see it in your notes that, that, that creativity is the nature of God. Yeah. That I know that you're created creative because I know that you, have, you are made in the image of a creative God. And if you doubt the fact that God is creative, just look at the Bible. Read the Bible. Look, look at the way that, that God created man. In Genesis 2, 7, it says, then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed life into his nostrils, the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Everything else that God had created up to this point, God spoke into existence. He said, let there be light and let there be dark. Let there be birds in the sky and fish in the sea. Let there be vegetation on the earth. He spoke all of those things into existence, but when it came to creating man, he took some dirt and formed it to the man and breathed life into him, and then there was man. That's so creative. He thought outside the box. But then even the way that he created Eve was different than that. He could have just once again taken some dirt, formed it into a woman, breathed life into it, and we would have one. But he didn't do that, did he? 
Because the Bible says that he caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep and he took one of his ribs and out of that rib he created the woman. God is so creative because this is an indicator that for the rest of history that women were gonna be a pain in the side of men. I mean, <laughs> look how creative God is. It's incredible. But just read the Bible and, and tell me that creativity is not the nature of God. That the way he appeared to Moses and the way that he spoke to Moses was through a burning bush that wasn't consumed by the fire. Or, or, or Balaam in the, in the book of Numbers who was beating his donkey with a stick and then the donkey turned around and talked to him. God, there's talking donkeys in the Bible. Don't tell me that God's not creative. What about the way that Jesus healed the blind man in the New Testament? Jesus could have just prayed for him and spoke the words. He could have laid hands on him and prayed for him. But what did Jesus do? He took some dirt. I don't know what it is with God and dirt, but he likes it. It's his creation. He took some dirt and he spit in it and made mud and rubbed it on the man's eyes. And that's the way that he was healed. God is creative. So if you ever doubt the fact that you're made creative, I want you to understand that you are made in the image of a creative God, that he's given you the ability to think outside the box, and we need to embrace that creativity. We need to not hold ourselves back, but we need to use the gift that God has given us. So you're created for a cause. You're created with creativity, but towards the end of the story of Adam and Eve, we find another thing that I think is so true in our lives today and it was true for them in this story is that we are, number three in your notes, that we are created with a choice. We're created with a choice. We find early on Adam and Eve were created, they were faced with a very important choice. And if you look in Genesis 3, verses two through five, it says, the woman said to the serpent that we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die. Does anybody do different voices when they read the Bible? Is it just me? Okay, okay, never mind. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat, it, uh, when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, Eve here is faced with a choice. She knows what God has told her to do. She knows what is right, but she's also hearing the, another, uh, the opinion of someone else giving her something else that she could possibly do that's against the things that she knows to be true. Once again, I, I remember thinking about this even as a little kid looking at the story of creation when I was in, in Sunday school growing up, thinking like, wouldn't it have just been easier if God had just created us all to just do whatever he told us to do? Like how much better would the world be if there was just a bunch of believers walking around hand in hand, just enjoying life, enjoying God's creation, praising God, the world would be such a good place, but God didn't do that, did he? God, God didn't make us robots to just do whatever he told us to do because God gave us a choice because you'll see it in your notes, for there to be love, there had to be a choice. Eve is faced with a choice here. She, she knows what's right. She knows what, what God wants her to do, but she's faced with another option of something to do. And even though she knows it's not right, she has it considered because of what it looks like in front of her. And it's true that for, for there to be love, there had to be a choice because if God just made us all to be robots to do whatever he told us to do, if, if we obeyed him and we showed love to him, then it's not really love. It's just us doing what he created us to do. But no, God gave us the ability to make choices so that we could truly show love because in our lives, that's how we experience love. I've been married for 15 years. If there's anything I learned in 15 years, I can't make my wife do anything. Um, but I, but I know that 15 years ago, it wasn't because I made her, it was her choice. By the grace of God, it was her choice to choose me 15 years ago. 
It's the same way with our kids. When I walk home at the end of the day and I open the door, my kids have a choice whether they wanna come up and hug me and say that they love me or, or do nothing. And they choose to do nothing a lot. But man, those times that they do, that they meet you at the door and they're so excited to see you and they're, they, they, they wanted to tell you how much they love you, man, that's love. They, they didn't, it's not me walking in the door saying, kids, come tell dad you love them. No, it's their choice to come up and love me. That's, man, that's the way that you receive love. And so Eve was forced to make a decision. Does she do, does she choose the choice that she knows is right and show honor and love to God or does she do what the serpent tells her to do? So let's, let's look at it in verse six. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And he said, listen, Eve knew what was right, but man, that fruit looked good. And she thought, man, it looks so good. And if I eat this, I'm gonna gain wisdom. She thought that the benefits of what she would get out of eating this, it outweighed what she knew was right, but it was right in front of her. And she saw this thing and she's like, man, it looks so good. I'm gonna gain so much from it. So what's the big deal? Why would I not do this? Because how many of you know, you're writing your notes like this, that a lot of times in our lives that we give up what's right for what's right now. We give up what's right for what's right now. We do this, don't we? We have things in our lives that we know we shouldn't do, but we do it because of, the, of how it looks, the perceived benefits, the, the instant gratification that we're gonna get if we make that decision. I remember one time being at a, at a car dealership, buying a car and up on the pedestal, you know they have in the front, they have like the special cars that they wanna show off. And there was like a, a midnight blue convertible Mustang. And I, I was waiting for my wife who was out test driving another car. I was like, hey, can I see that car? And the guy pulled it down, started up the engine. Man, it sounded nice. He put that top down. He's like, hey, do you wanna drive it? I was like, obviously. Uh, so we pull out over in Brandon and, and he goes, step on it. Yo, get it going. I was like, all right. And he goes, you know what? Let's get it out on 75. Let's see if we can hit 100. Done deal. Uh, and so after we got done with this test drive, I pulled back in the lot. My wife was waiting for me and I said, I said, all right, where do I sign? This is my car. I love this thing. And my wife looked at me. She's like, are you an idiot? Like, this car is way too expensive. And we have four kids. Like, where are we gonna put them in this convertible two-door Mustang? You see, the thing that looked good to me at the time, the thing that I, that perceived benefit of like, man, people are gonna see me in this car and they're gonna think of like how awesome I am and I'm gonna think that about myself too. The thing that looked right, right then, it wasn't what was right. It was just what was right now. Luckily, I had the voice of God, which happens to be my wife sometimes, telling me what I shouldn't do. You see, sometimes... We, we give up what's right for what's right now. And Adam and Eve learned a very important lesson at that moment when they chose to do the thing that they know they shouldn't have done, but it looked so good to them at that time, they learned a very important lesson. And I think we understand this in our lives as well. And you'll see it in your notes that every decision has a consequence. Every decision has a consequence. For Adam and Eve, it looked like this in, in Genesis three. It says, so the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. It was at that moment that they made that decision that they were forever separated from God. They were kicked out of the garden that he had been placed. They knew what was right, but yet they chose to make a bad decision and they had to pay the consequence for it. 
And it was at that moment that sin entered into the world. It was at that moment that they were separated from God and every person who was to be born after that was gonna be born into sin and was gonna be born separated from God. If you ever question the fact that we're born into sin in a sinful nature, hang out with a two-year-old. Because I gave my two-year-old a Capri Sun yesterday and he smacked it off the table and tried to kick me. It's like, I didn't have to teach him that. He just knows how to do it. Like, we're born into sin and so, for at that moment that Adam and Eve ate that apple, there was a separation that was created between us and God. That for the rest of history, that we were all gonna be born broken, sinful, and separated from the presence of God. And the story could have ended there. But how many of you know the story doesn't end there? Because for the next couple of weeks, we're gonna talk about it, but, but God knew that we were separated from him. He knew that the, the, the because of sin, that there was now this barrier between us and him, but God didn't leave us alone in that separation because God knew that something needed to be done, that a price needed to be paid. In Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. God knew that something needed to happen to be able to get rid of that, that space that was between us and him, and so he sent his son. And, and John 3, 16, it says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, it's Jesus on the cross that he, he was buried for three days and rose again. And because he, he did that, we can now rise again to new life because of him. That Jesus has paid the price for us because Romans 6, 23 doesn't end with for the wages of sin is death. It goes on because it says, but the free gift of God is eternal salvation through Jesus Christ that you can make a decision that has an eternal consequence for you. That if you choose to put your faith and you choose to put your hope and your trust in Jesus, that you don't have to live separated from God, but you can live in eternity with Him. And so right now, I wanna give you the ability to make that decision. A simple yet significant decision that you could spend eternity with God, that you can receive the price that Christ has already paid on the cross for you, you can receive that today and remove this, this barrier, this separation that's between you and God. And listen, I, I don't know your story. I know you may have walked in here today. Maybe it was hard to walk into church because you've made some bad choices in your life. You've made a, uh, your whole life has been just a series of bad choices, but today you can make the best choice you ever made because God has given you that ability. You, right now, you can show your love for God, even for the first time. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you here today and you've lived separated from God for too long, you've tried to do life on your own, but you're ready to receive the salvation that comes from Jesus in this greatest story ever told. The ending isn't that we're separated from God, but the ending is the fact that Jesus has given us a way back to God. And so if you're here today and you wanna receive that way back to God, you wanna have that separation between you and God erased, when I count to three, all I want you to simply do is raise your hand, wave it at me, and put it right back down. So in the count of three, one, two, Three. You're here today. You want? Yeah, I see your hands. Hands all over the room. Yes, yes. Hands right here. I see you. Yeah, all over the room. People making decisions right now. That separation between them and God is going away. If you're one of those people that just raised your hand, I want you to just pray a prayer like this. Just in your seat, right where you are. There's no magic prayer that you have to say, but say something like this. Say, Father, I know that I've made bad choices in my life. I know that I've done life apart from you, but God, today I'm making the best choice I could ever make. Because Father, today I receive what you have done for me. I receive your love for me. I receive the price that was paid for me on the cross by Jesus. Father, thank you for loving me. Even when I didn't deserve it, God, you still showed me love. So Father, today I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. God, I love you, I thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, 
Amen. Hey, give it up for the 10 or 11 hands that just went up all over this room. People making the best decision they could ever make. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.